Hi everyone, welcome to HubShot's episode 213. In this episode, we discuss HubSpot conversations, or should I just say conversations, HubSpot email reporting insights, and HubSpot sequences. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, marketing, and service results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Oh, look, I'm well, Ian, and I must say I haven't been like the rest of the world that seems to be doing a lot of chatting, if we're to believe the latest HubSpot COVID results. You, you found this from the COVID data portal. What have you found? Correct. And this is really interesting and kind of perked my interest, Craig, because what was very eye-opening when I split it down by region I was like, wow, people in Asia Pacific are far outnumbering these uh, conversations more than anyone else. Like like when we're talking about Latin America, North America, and even EMEA. And I was like, hang on, this is like interesting, interesting information, right? So I guess the sudden shift, so what, what they were saying, the sudden shift means that people had to pivot. And I've been talking to people for a long time about implementing live chat and even using some chatbots initially, but no one did it until after COVID. And then they were like, oh, we should have done that. So anyway, we've done it, but it's really interesting. So what they're saying is with the exception of two weeks, chat volume has steadily risen week over week from the beginning of March, peaking at 45% above the benchmark in late May. And the total volume in Q2 outpaced Q1, which we kind of expected, right? By a notable 31%. And as restrictions in businesses continue to be lifted around the world, it'll be interesting to see if the chat volume remains and the steady growth. Now, what I think you pointed out very aptly to me is that when you compare the contact growth, it tells a different story. So yeah, chat is increasing enormously up to 70% or more than the previous benchmark. But contact growth, no, pretty low. Some growth, some not. Maybe in Latin America, the contact growth was much larger, which was kind of an interesting sideline. But yeah, in APAC, yeah, it's it, the chat's high and growth isn't. So I don't know if all that chat is happening with customers that are already contacts or whether people are just doing a lot more inquiry but not actually signing up for anything. I can say anecdotally from our big clients, like big enterprises where we're doing conversion-based lead gen campaigns for them, we're getting low numbers of conversions. This is across a number of industries and we're scratching our head. Plenty of traffic, plenty of engagement, lots of paid ads, lots of spend, but people are just not signing up for stuff. And we are puzzled, I think. We're trying a whole bunch of things, but maybe that people are just ad fatigue and... They seem to show interest, but they won't go the next step. They won't even hand over an email address. And so we're finding that really weird. So that kind of correlates with what we're seeing in these graphs from the HubSpot data portal. Yeah. So I guess, again, Craig, it depends because on some of our customer portals, we're seeing very low to no engagement over chat. But then on others where people are buying certain goods that they need, there is a decent level of engagement on a daily basis to the point where what we started doing was we started off with live chat. Now we put a bot to start the chat to collect some information and then we're moving it to a live chat scenario. So it's really interesting to see what's happening. And again, like I tell people, it's all good in theory until you test and measure it. So 
with the tools that you have, you should be able to get this going really quickly to understand, is it effective in your market space? Now, Craig, onto our marketing, uh, HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And this is the HubSpot email report and email opens by client. Yeah, I'll draw everyone's attention to this because this is hiding right down the bottom of an email report. So you've sent out an email campaign, let's say. Uh, you go and view it, so you see all the results. Of course, it's got that at the top, you know, opens and click-throughs and all of that. You scroll right to the bottom and you see this opens by email client. So I've got two screenshots from two different uh, portals here. In the first one, we see a massive skew towards Gmail, up around 60% of opens are in Gmail. And in fact, when you look at how many Outlook or Microsoft Office-based opens, it's less than 5% total for this newsletter send. And then in the second screenshot, I've got an example from uh, one of our clients in the technology space, and you almost see the reverse, massive opening by Microsoft tools. So why am I highlighting this? Well, first of all, it's not unexpected, you know, in the technology space, and especially this client here, they're actually a SQL Server consultancy, so you expect it, Microsoft. But in the first instance, it's like, oh, these are actually for solar dealers, and we're like, oh, seeing no Microsoft tools in solar dealerships. It's all G Suite and others. So that gives us insight into what kind of content we could be writing. So just a simple example for this, it might be how to use G Suite and connect it to HubSpot, for example, or how to use the latest extensions in um, in G Suite for growing your business. So the point of mentioning this is I think it's one of those things that people often overlook. They're like, oh, I don't care what they open my email in. It's well, well, maybe you should check it out because depending on the industry in, there might be some content ideas there to take advantage of. Absolutely right, Craig. And I think you highlighted something very key to providing some insight to people with very little effort. All right, now onto our sales feature of the week, Craig, and this is to do with HubSpot sequences. I'm so looking forward to hearing you talk about this because you know what? I don't use HubSpot sequences at all. We don't use it with any of our clients. So I just wanted to say that up front because I know I, I try and be across everything, but sequences is just something I've not used at all and not with our clients. So talk us through it. We've talked about it on the show and I understand how it works, but having not actually implemented it, can't talk with authority. So tell us all about, because I know you're using it with a ton of your clients. Yes, we are, Craig. And so one of the things, so there's, there's heaps of things to in sequences, but I'll highlight some of the changes that have come in, which will actually help people. So the first one is we're going to see just because we love HubSpot AI, here's more. And this is where it'll enable you to choose a time so you get the highest open rate. And we've got a screenshot in there. And you can uh, send those automated emails and you can specify the time, which is actually really cool. So between certain hours. Actually, maybe we should go back a step. For listeners that don't actually know what HubSpot sequences is, do you want to give a very quick summary of the functionality? So it's a sequence of events. They generally involve... Could be a task, can be email, can be you getting a task to send an email. What happens is that you initiate it from HubSpot or from your inbox as a sequence. You choose, so let's say that there's seven steps in here. You choose when each of those steps will be triggered or you give, there's sometimes defaults. And then what happens is when you initiate the sequence and it's in someone's enrolled in it, it's basically like you are taking those actions through your inbox, but the system is doing it on your behalf. So it's pretty much like a one-on-one interaction. And the way you break the sequence or way people get out of it is if they respond to that email, 
that's how it breaks its sequence and they get unenrolled. The other way they would do it is manually. And that is say somebody gets your email and then they call you up, then you should unenroll them from the sequence. So they don't keep getting the next email and says, Hey, I haven't heard from you. So those are two ways to get people out of the sequence, but it's really a one-on-one interaction between two people that's automatically executed. So the next thing, Greg, which is really good, is the ability to unenroll contacts from the same company is a great new addition. And this is in the settings. You can actually turn this on so it'll unenroll all the people from that company. Now, sometimes this is not valid because you might be speaking to different people, but I guess this is important if people are trying to get in touch with multiple people that may be in the same team. So they just want to make sure that they're stopping this from going out any further once they've made that contact. The next thing I wanted to share was the ability to connect LinkedIn Sales Navigator and to send a Sales Navigator email and connection requests. Now, this is great, right? But here's a little tip that we're doing with one of our clients is before we even do this, we have created a task which ends up going to the person in sales to say, look, if this these things haven't happened what we suggest is you follow them on LinkedIn. So go follow, see what they're doing and be educated before taking the next step. So the next time they make a call, they can actually talk about something about what they know what that person's doing or what's been going on in the industry that will help them bridge that gap. And then after that, I would say, then make the connection request without randomly connecting to people without intent. Okay, so give us some examples of how you're using this with your clients. And also earlier before the show, you were telling me an insight that you'd found from your clients where they're sending out. And you can check response rates and all those kinds of things to gauge success. Correct. And there is a lot of great reporting around sequences. And this is in the sales content analysis. As an example, I was doing it with one of my clients. They noticed that they'd enrolled over 100 people in a sequence, but they only had 11 opens and with an average uh, reply rate of 7.7%. So we actually looked at why this would be the case. And we looked at the first email, we looked at the subject line, looked at the first sentence, and they've got somebody new in sales. And so he looked at it and he goes, oh, I don't know, if I got that subject line and I saw that, I'd be like, it's not really enticing me. So we went, okay, well, let's change the subject line. And let's change that first sentence so it's a bit more enticing. And one of the guys on the team, I've been working with him and he's quite an interesting character and he always puts something quirky. And I actually, I thought it was really good. So I said, I said, what have you sent that has actually made people open your email? So he said, oh, I have this, uh, this title and I put this as the first sentence. I said, okay, well, let's try that for the next month and see whether we can increase the open rate and increase the interaction that people are having. So that's what we're going to test over the next 30 days. So, but that's a really good insight. So looking at the numbers makes a massive difference in this whole process and always be refining and testing. So don't be afraid through the whole process. We've actually changed stuff. So we're looking at sequences as people, as the sales team are using, we're looking and seeing what is working. Then they say, Oh no, that doesn't work. We can't send do this task here. Can we shift that? So Sequences have become so much more flexible where you're able to move the, the task or the, that particular action down or up based on where it needs to happen. And it's made a massive difference. So that's all I can say is that don't be afraid to try new things. 
You've inspired me. I've got to get into this. There's some areas, as much as I love the the product, I just can't be across everything. And this is one of those things that I've really neglected. And perhaps some of our listeners have too. So join me. Let's uh, play with sequences further. All right, Craig, uh, how's what listener note of the week? I wanted to shout out to uh, Chad Treadway from Cube Creative Design. By the way, nice link there for you. Added in the show notes. Uh, Chad, thanks for listening. Uh, a great supporter of the show. He's uh, We've emailed back and forth a number of times, but he said, because you know how we asked, should we increase the length or keep it shorter? And that? Yes. So he very kindly replied. He said, hey, listen to the cast over the weekend. I want to say I would listen to the show even if it was three hours long. <laughs> My goodness, that's commitment. And very much appreciate that comment. Chad, thanks for being a great supporter. And uh, that made my day. I know these probably took him 10 seconds to shoot that email through, but it made my day. So thanks. And thanks to listeners who who send us that. Now, listeners, because Craig loves doing things live, I was actually thinking of doing either a YouTube or a Facebook live and just encourage people to jump on. And you can ask us questions. So, uh, if you're interested, please message us on LinkedIn and t- tell us or on Instagram and let us know because I'm actually keen to try it out. Craig, not so much on the other hand. But- oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quaking. I'll do it. You'll force me to do it. Okay, I'll do it. But hey, speaking of LinkedIn, so that first part was thanks to, to our listeners and thanks, Chad, in particular, but no thanks to spammers. And I've put in a, a screenshot. This is from my own LinkedIn um, messages screen so that you can see why I'm almost about to give up on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm hardly on social channels anyway, but this will give you insight. So in the screenshot, you can see when, whenever I get someone, first line of defense, I get a whole bunch of connection requests and you know I accept some and then I decline others or, or my VA actually does a lot of this for me. But then of the ones that make it through, in the screenshot, you can see how many I've muted Right, I I go through and and this is as soon as some I connect with someone they send me oh hey I want to sell you stuff <laughs> like okay mute <laughs> so that they you know because otherwise they're using you know Phantom Buster or what any, any of these LinkedIn spamming tools <laughs> to just set up sequences and so in the screenshot there's only two in the last week out of all the connections and I've marked them in green that are actually valid and they were two listeners and so those. <laughs> Only good requests and lately were two listeners and thank you for those connections. They didn't try and sell me stuff. And someone even said, I'm not trying to sell you stuff. I guess they know us too well now. But oh my goodness, so much. It's a bit of a dumpster fire LinkedIn, isn't it? It's just so... Oh. You know what, Craig? I didn't even know about that mute feature. So thank you for letting me know. Oh, yeah. And listeners, tr- if you are listening and you want to mute the messages or the message from that particular person, I try to find it looking at Craig's screenshot and had no idea where to go. So you need to make sure that it's the three dots in the main section where you see the messages. When you click there, you'll get the option to mute the person. It's not in the section where you see Craig's screenshot. All <laughs> oh, right. Maybe I should put a second screenshot because, yeah, until you, I, I just thought everyone knew about it. And you can also unconnect. I don't normally unconnect, although maybe I'm getting it's to like the It's like unfriending point, people. Unfriend, Craig. yeah, but you can just get your VA to do it. They just go in. Anyone that tries to sell yourself straight away, mute or... Uh, if it's particularly bad, I just uh, disconnect. But you can tell when they even try and connect if they're spammy. So normally you don't even accept those ones. Anyway, I've gone off on a rant on LinkedIn. And in fact, I've probably spent more time ranting about LinkedIn than I've actually spent on LinkedIn in the last week. <laughs> there we go. Let's move on. Yeah, well, I'll give a shout out to your VA, Marie. <laughs> 
Yes, Murray, you're wonderful. All right, on to HubSpot Gotcha of the Week, Craig, and this is the HubSpot Ads Reminder, and this is a reminder to people. If you're looking at the ads interface and you see that lovely button that looks like you're turning things on or off, what that is going to do is going to stop or pause your campaign. So don't play with those buttons thinking it's going to fix your reporting on the dashboard. It actually turns the campaign off. We've talked about this a number of times on the show before, and it still keeps catching out clients. So this is a screenshot from today for a client. Actually, we're not working with them at the moment, but we used to. But going in and doing some a uh, little bit of training, and then someone just goes in, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and here's how we look at uh, reporting, and I'll just turn this off to update the total. No! No, you've turned the campaign off. Well, whoops, turn it back on. It's just a bad user interface. This is this is a user interface. Faux pas. Is it faux pas? What's the word? No, uh, it's the, bad the, design. Yeah, a design where it's not, it's exceedingly easy to use, but not intuitive enough to protect you from yourself. I don't, there's a word for that kind of design, yes. but yeah, this fails. All right, Craig, on to our marketing tip of the week. And this is Google My Business and the Google guarantee is coming. Haven't we spoken about this a few times? How long have we been saying paid things are coming to Google My Business? So take advantage of your Google My Business listing while you can. But plus this kind of, this Google guarantee, well, it's only available in the US and Canada at the moment, but I'm sure it's going to roll out to other regions. Uh, so hopefully it comes to Australia and we'll get a chance to use it. So we haven't actually used it yet ourselves, but looking at it, it's 50 bucks a month and they give you a guarantee and a tick. And I, I would jump on that, frankly, for the credibility it provides. Absolutely. And the Google My Business thing for a bunch of our clients, especially if they're local businesses. You know, I don't know, of course, we don't really get much local business. We're not a local business as such, be Harder self for our own agency, but for our clients, a lot of our clients, it's a no-brainer. 50 bucks a Correct. month to get that tick, jump on it. I would. And just to speed up the screening process and to have the support, I think that's well worth it. All right, Craig, insight of the week, MarTech stack versus marketing user experience considerations. All right. So speaking with a client, I won't say they're not a large corporate, but they're a mid to large uh, company, hundreds of staff, not thousands, but big and a number of systems. So big enough to have a legacy and complexity within their MarTech stack. They've brought in an outside consultant to review and improve in terms of efficiency. So we're part of the discussions with them. Quite a number of platforms they're using, but the three of interest for this discussion are Salesforce, Sitecore and HubSpot. Uh, they're on HubSpot Enterprise. They're on a Salesforce huge thing. They used to have Pardot, but they scrapped that. Uh, HubSpot took over that. But they've got Sitecore for their site, and they've got quite a complex registration piece on their site. So they need Sitecore for that. It's custom integrated with Salesforce. HubSpot's not a fit for replacing their website with its complexity, but they love HubSpot for landing pages, email marketing, social campaigns and overall reporting because we have the the pixel across um, their site as well. Anyway, the consultants come in and part of their remit is to review and consolidate. And what's interesting about this whole situation is that often MarTech budgets and maintenance sit with IT. And so they're normally CapExed out. So they're a CapEx budget under the IT line item. So that's often reviewed for financial efficiency purely just on cost of platform. And the reason I've got this in Insight of the Week is because it's very hard 
to argue, or not argue, but to discuss anything except a financial line item. And what I was explaining today when we were chatting with them is the user experience of HubSpot in particular, because they hated Pardot. They're frustrated with Sitecore for a very number of reasons, not all Sitecore's own fault, I have to say, but they love HubSpot. And so what we've seen is this HubSpot go from what was just initially a few landing pages uh, with some nurture campaigns into now a portal that has hundreds of pages and also they're sending hundreds of separate email campaigns every month. They're sending, wow. I was looking over the last, um, just last couple of months, they've had almost half a million email sends coming out of HubSpot portal. And the reason for that and that traction, and you just see it go up over the last two years since we've had HubSpot in there, the users love it. And even then I was looking at their user list and I was like, oh, wow, you've got like 20 people from the, the company in here. Oh, yeah, all doing emails. Everyone loves it. Of course, IT doesn't see that. They just see a cost for HubSpot. They don't see the actual user experience and the outward outcome from that. More emails, it's actually driving revenue. All they see is the internal piece. And so I just wanted to highlight this for agencies and also marketing managers, just to think about that. You've got to be aware of this, especially when you're talking about enterprise tools. It often falls under IT. So it's a MarTech IT cost rather than a marketing revenue cost. So it's cost center versus revenue center. And by the way, that's why you're starting to see IT report to the CMOs now, because the CMO is a revenue driver, whereas IT tends to be a cost center still in some cases. So outcome of all of this, very hard to actually put a dollar figure on user experience and people loving the tool. But as a marketing manager, you need to, because just by using the tool, you might have saved staff costs and things like that. So it might actually be having a financial effect. Very hard to capture and put on a line item. But just another example of where HubSpot is providing value in a way that the whole enterprise benefits from, but is not necessarily recognized for. I couldn't agree more, Craig. I think we were having this discussion not long ago about thinking the tool was expensive, but the tool that someone would be currently using is taking 10 times longer to do things in and giving less data to make the right choices. And I thought, uh, did you ever figure out how much that was costing you rather than saving money on the tool? So, you know, you're absolutely right. And this is what we're seeing across a lot of organizations. This is not dissimilar to what you have just mentioned in terms of what people are experiencing and how critical it is now that these tools are operating and usable to get the result that people want. Now, talking about that, Craig, what's our trend of the week? Uh, This is from CB Insights. CB Insights, bringing the insights with a long piece exploring technology changes in the office. And when you talk about this post-COVID world, which apparently everyone's using post-COVID world, that's a term now, or new normal, I'm sick of hearing that. But they talk about what's going to change. And of course, we all jump to the the usual go-tos, which are uh, online collaboration, online learning, they're all going to go. This article highlights a few other trends, autonomous cleaning solutions in bathrooms. I'm just going to pick on that one because... Of course. And when you read the article, it's like, yeah, this is technology. Robots, one of your clients, I'm not sure if we can mention them by name, but they actually make these cleaning machines and robots that will actually work in offices. And it's like everyone's talking about online learning. That's the, that's the cool topic. No one's talking about the machines that are cleaning um, bathrooms to keep us safe. And so the takeaway from me was, oh, think outside just the usual 
examples that everyone's talking about. Look at these. And so CB Insights, the article there, worth reading and just expanding your thinking. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing I came across the other day, Craig, as I was going into a shopping center to get something. And usually you've got to push the button to get the parking ticket. Anyway, this time I was like, hey, wave your hand and the parking ticket will come out. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. So here we go. There are so many of these things, like you rightly say, that are taking place that are not just directly technology related, but how we go about our daily lives. And I think there's so much opportunity. So if you're a business and you're going, I'm stuck and I don't know what to do, take a day out, get some people together, even people that are not in your business and think about what you can do to take advantage of what is happening right now. Because you might be surprised what you come up with. All right, Craig, we've got a great resource of the week and we both love Derek Sivers and his new book, Hell Yeah or No. Yeah, Derek Sivers, as many people will know, we talked about him on the show before. He built an online CD store called CD Baby, and uh, he's had a number of books. I'm actually listening to this. I don't normally listen to audio books. I'm much more of a reader, but I'm listening to He's a great narrator. He's a wonderful voice, and he's got these sound effects and just some really nice quirks uh, in terms of an audio listening. I'm really enjoying it. It's really inspiring me to think along the lines of our quote of the week, which you found also from Derek Sivers, which is... In the end, it's about what you want to be, not what you want to have. There it is, Craig. All right, there are some bonus links, listeners, about building your go-to-market strategy, and it's a useful post from SEM Rush about covering your go-to-marketing research and planning. So I'd encourage people to actually look at that. And also, LinkedIn is rolling out conversation ads. And they what do they refer to it as, Craig? They've clearly referred to them as choose your own path experiences. Uh, we're just starting to test this with the client now. So, yeah, it's uh, a nice play on it. Remember the old choose your own adventure <laughs> books when you're a kid? You used to love those. But, yeah, choose your own path experience. I think that's the way to go. So, it's a combination between more of a bot or a chat bot and uh, in-mail kind of experience. So, yeah. LinkedIn finally catching up and perhaps even innovating. And listeners, again, please follow us on the socials. Please connect with Craig and myself on LinkedIn and send us a note that uh, you listen to the show. We'd love to hear from you. We love to hear from our listeners. Thank you so much for everyone that has connected. Uh, shout out to Christopher Mottram from Podcastly that produces our podcast. Thank you, Chris, for the great work that you've done in the almost five years we've been doing this together. Listeners, tell us what you think of the outro music. Oh, yes, that's right. But until next week, Ian, I'll catch you later, Ian. (laughs) See you, Craig. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.